Welcome to the Pineland Underground. The official podcast of the United States Army, John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center and School. Bold, real, unrestricted. Join the resistance by liking, sharing, and spreading the word on whatever platform you follow us on. And please subscribe and leave a review to help shape future podcasts. As a grassroots effort, this is how we continue to expand. Welcome to the underground. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of the Pineland Underground. My name's Major Ashley Holzman. I go by Ash, and I'm accompanied by Sergeant Major Derek Riley. He goes by Derek. Derek, would you like to do the introductions? You, you start with yours. I'll start with mine. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm super excited for this uh, episode. We have the Special Operations Recruiting Battalion Battalion Commander and Battalion Executive Officer. Start off just uh, quick introductions. We have the Battalion Executive Officer Major Jim Makey, uh, who's from Fairfax, Virginia. Uh, he served as an infantry rifle platoon leader a scout platoon leader and assistant uh, operations officer when he was assigned to the 3rd Infantry Division as a lieutenant in Fort Stewart, Georgia. In that tenure, he deployed multiple deployments to Iraq in support of Operation Enduring Freedom. Major Makey joined the Special Forces Regiment in 2012. During that tenure, he served in 3rd Special Forces Group, uh, specifically as the detachment commander for Special Forces Operation Detachment Alpha 3123. 1st Battalion, 3rd Special Forces Group. He also served as Assistant S3 in that capacity and served as the Deputy J3 for Special Operations Command Forward, Northwest Africa. And also as a Special Forces Officer, he deployed to Afghanistan, Jordan, Niger, Germany, and Iraq. And he served in 5th Special Forces Group. In that capacity, served as a Company Commander, specifically for Bravo Company 4th Battalion, and as an Operations Officer and now he uh, formerly was a, the Bravo Company uh, Special Operations Company Commander uh, in the SORB, the Special Operations Recruiting Battalion. And now you do a good job and you move up and become the executive officer, right? So yeah, they like careful what you wish for, yeah, right? Yeah, it came full circle. Yeah, definitely. He's just <laughs> moving on up. Yeah. <laughs> so we also have Lieutenant Colonel Stephen Crow, who was a native of Damascus, Maryland. Prior to joining Special Forces, Lieutenant Colonel Crow served as a combat engineer in 3rd Brigade, 101st airborne division i'm supposed to say aerosol <laughs> i'm not sure if i pronounced that correctly though upon graduating from the special forces qualification course in january of 2010 lieutenant colonel crow was assigned to second battalion fifth special forces group airborne where he served as the charlie company executive officer detachment commander of oda 5234 and commanded the battalion support company he subsequently served as Alpha company second battalion fifth special forces commander and fifth Special Forces Group Airborne Operations Officer. In these positions, he deployed multiple times throughout the Central Command, CENTCOM, area of responsibility. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thank you. This is awesome. So right before we mic'd up and everything, you both were telling us the most interesting fact we heard thus far in 2024, where uh, we did not realize, Derek and I did not realize that you also, beyond just doing the in-service recruiting for special operations, also manage all of the warrant officer recruiting? Yeah, that's right, Ash. So the SOAR, and I really think it's just kind of a misfit toy for USAREC. I uh, didn't really have a place to put it, but we, we have a warrant officer recruiting company uh, that does all of the in-service recruiting for all of the, you know, f- across the all 46 warrant officer MOSs in the Army. And, and our guys are co-located with our SORB stations, uh, kind of 
across the world, really, for that matter. But uh, so they, it's a kind of a little known fact, but but we do cover that for the Army as well. That's wild. That's wild. So yeah. it's not just like the 18 series special forces warrant officer. It's like aviators. It's the whole game. The mechanic. And, yep. Yeah. 420s, wow. and, you know, mechanics. Yeah, like you said, across the board, all the intel specialties, everything. That's wild. That's awesome. That's yeah. like incredible. Yeah, it's everything in service. So also EOD as well, which I didn't know until coming here. So we have oh, yeah. EOD recruiting, 160th recruiting. That's kind of handled, kind of mm-hmm. hubbed in my old company that I had. But those 160th recruiters are co-located with all of our guys. Wow. Yeah. So wow. it's a lot. Because often when we're talking on the podcast and just colloquially, mm-hmm. we're always thinking about civil affairs, psyops, special forces, yeah. and then, yep. of course, larger RSOF, yes, the Rangers and uh, SOAR with the aviators. But, yep. yeah, uh, even more, even more. Yeah, that's, that's a lot. That's a large portfolio for one battalion that you know, owns in-service recruiting for special operations and thus supporting you know, the United States Recruiting Command, USAREC, in their mission to provide warrant officers for the force. Yeah, and that's what gets really confusing is that, you know, whenever there's a recruiting question, you know, everyone's coming to us, and we don't touch the off-the-street recruiting, right? We mm. A lot of times we work, you know, hand-in-hand with those folks, and we try to enable a lot of what they're doing, and we'll do some joint stuff together if, if it's there for in-service value, but, you know, 99% of our day is all about engaging with the in-service candidates for all that stuff. Yeah, I'm really excited by this podcast because I think, you know, There's a lot of rumors out there that people don't really understand. One, there's Army recruiting, right, which is a challenge in itself, but then the special Mm -hmm. operations portfolio. You guys have a very unique mission that I think a lot of senior leaders, I would argue across, you know, United States Special Operations Command as well as the Army don't truly understand what your portfolio looks like. Mm So with that, like, you know, what is the special operations recruiting? Man, we touched a little bit there on, like, warrant officer, but – you know, Sir Colonel Crow, start off like, you know, what does your battalion's mission is and what do you guys? Yeah, so so kind of like Jim kind of alluded to, we do all the in-service, we're the only in-service recruiting battalion in the Army. Uh, and then we, we obviously cover the, the three RSOF tribes, SFCA, SIOP, the 160th, and then EOD for the Army. Again, that's kind of one that doesn't really fit in any other category. And then all of the warrant officer recruiting for the entire Army uh, and all those other warrant officer MOSs. We're geographically displaced across the world. We're in Italy, Germany, Alaska, Hawaii, and then uh, Korea. Yeah. Korea. Oh, Korea. Korea. Yeah. Oh, Korea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Boom. Italy, Germany, Alaska, Hawaii, Korea, and then uh, pretty much any major force comm installation, uh, CONUS-based. And then so if we're, if we're not at your installation, say like Fort Sill, for example, our Fort Riley team will cover that mm-hmm. as in their secondary market. So uh, pretty much where wherever the market is, we, we are. That's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, in, like, the grand scheme of things, so between USAREC and then uh, United States Army Special Operations Command, USASOC, where do you fall in? It sounds like you kind of are straddling. Um, yeah, so so Comrail-wise. You have two dads. Yeah, uh, sometimes <laughs> yeah. more, right, right? Because, I mean, the, the initial customer is SWIC anyway, so mm-hmm. then you can make that a third dad for sure. And then ultimately we're, we're feeding first SFC. So, But Comrail-wise, we fall under USAREC. And then, you know, obviously we, we're, we're providing, you know, resources to here to, to SWIC and then USASOC. Yeah, when it comes down to it, like money and manpower, so to speak, that's through USAREC, right? We we like to say that our customer that we're producing and finding and fixing, you know, in the, in the whole yeah. operational value of it, like we're finding and fixing candidates. And then, of course, SWIC, the finishing product of sculpting either a Green Beret and an RSOF, you know, candidate to hopefully fill our formation. So... We're, we're like that 
the front of the assembly line, so to mm-hmm. speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you speak a little more to that then maybe? Um, what's the, I guess, like the portfolio look like as far as like how you would discuss the mission and like the career fields and, and sure. what you're offering? Sure. So, like every one of our stations is a little different, right? So some are bigger than others, but if it's if if you have a fully manned station, right, you're you're going to have a green beret recruiter or two at at them. Um, you're also going to have a CA recruiter and psyop recruiter, a 160th recruiter, and maybe a co-located warrant officer recruiting entity. You know, one or two folks, and maybe even nowadays, you know, recently an EOD recruiter. So. And this came as a shock to me, coming from fifth and third group, to come to the SORB last year because I was like, wait a second, who, who's leading this multifunctional thing? It's 79 Romeos. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know what that MOS was. Yeah, what is? Recruiters. So, so those are your army you. recruiters. Oh, okay. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> sir, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong, it's like 50 or so. We have... Yeah, we have, yeah we've got about yeah about yeah. between 15 60 79 Romeos and, and they're the ones bringing kind of the expertise art and science of recruiting yeah. hey, how do I develop a recruiting operations plan and then employ my subject matter experts who awesome. are our NCOs so yep. I, and, and Jim said kind of that was like the profile of kind of a larger station which yeah. mm-hmm. we have it you know at our more fruitful locations uh, JBLM Carson Campbell and then here at Liberty but we also have some smaller stations too so just kind of hitting those numbers, there's about 25 SFNCOs out there recruiting, and then we have uh, 10 SIOPers and 11 civil affairs. That's awesome. And that's that's kind of so not a lot though to cover the, the whole know, globe. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, it's true. It's a good point. Yeah, you you kind of mentioned some of the warrant stuff. I recently read an article where the Army is talking about employing another MOS where they're actually going to build a warrant officer recruiting MOS. As yeah, well. it's going to be called the 420 Tango. So they're transitioning the 79 Romeo career path into the 42s to kind of get it underneath the human resources umbrella. Makes sense. Uh, and they'll be called it Talent Acquisition Tech. Yep. And then so that's going to be kind of your your seasoned 79 Romeo, high performer, send them out to partner with industry, kind of see how they're doing it in, cool. in you know outside of, of the Army, bring that knowledge and experience back into the Army and, and set them out to kind of get after the recruiting challenges we're, we're facing now. That's Not wonderful. just within ourselves, but within the Army. Yeah. The so is there a potential that you will gain this new capability within the Special Operations Recruiting Battalion? I think it's possible. Maybe I think a few. Uh, yeah, but I think it's more likely they're going to be used at the critical locations across the USAREC footprint where the Army's That makes the sense, yeah. Really Where's the hurting. most, you, yeah. know, you know, the Army's recruiting problem is our recruiting problem, right? You yeah. have a lot yeah, of seniors who say that, which is for the in-service portfolio, you only have so many people to pick from, right? So oh, yeah. the Army recruits less. That's obviously a smaller pool that we get to make. It, tr- it trickles yeah. down to special operations. It trickles down. Yeah, and then the numbers are part of it. It's not just the numbers. It's some of the same things and challenges that the mm-hmm. Army is seeing. And either generational or physical fitness or mental aptitude, all those things, you know, just because, you know, to join the Army then become, our, you know, our problem, you know, several years down the road. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. we compound that because we just, you know, soft. We have high standards yeah. for assessment selection. And then, yep. you know, we're shoveling, producing, recruiting people against those selection assessments, right, which is another whole funnel that yeah, we, we have work, in our we, assembly line. We work off a checklist. So basically yeah. every one of those stations – knows the prerequisites that are allowed for CA SOPs, all, all the different tribes, right? And so they're basically going out and trying to hunt for those individuals mm-hmm. that are hopefully propensed to even try out 
and that also meet those minimum requirements. So it's very challenging right now. So we talked a lot about, we just went a lot of whole bunch of subjects there, but how else does the SOB support RSOF and USAREC and the Army as far as recruiting? Is there anything else we want to you want to add to that, sir? That I think Jim alluded to it a little bit, uh, along with you know doing our own operations within the in-service market. We also do our best to inform you know, the rest of the recruiting force. So USAREC has 44 you know, plus recruiting battalions all, all over. They're not quite all the way across the world, but similar to our footprint. And, and so the recruiters on the ground don't always know, you know, hey, what's what's an 18 X-ray? What's a 37 Fox? Option one, option 40, you know, that those types of things. So we have the ability to to send them to link up with those recruiting battalions at some of their large functions, kind of keep them informed. Also, you know, scrape some talent from them. Uh, we, <laughs> we just had a guy selected out of a recruiting battalion yeah. uh, up in New York City that, that was you know met one of our recruiters you know in the process of, of these types of things, and he got selected, and he's going to be going to the Q course here shortly. So, so those are you know a way to you know get after the market as well, but then also kind of inform the USREC footprints, you know, because. If they don't know what they're talking to and, you know, candidates are coming in saying, hey, I want to be an 18X, you know, mm-hmm. they got to be able to kind of steer them in the right direction. No, that makes complete sense. Yeah. You have that, that special operations recruiter who's an 18 series, for example, or a 37, mm-hmm. going out to the outer service or initial entry training, which we want yeah. to call it, in training or developing those Army recruiters to say, hey, what are we looking for? What are you looking for is for an 18X ray? What are you looking for initial entry for a 37 Fox? We don't have that in CMF 38 for civil affairs, but mm-hmm. obviously the other two branches do. So educating those recruiters is probably a critical touch point to help recruit for that talent in, out there on the street. Yeah, and we love working with, we call it NPS, the non-prior That's service. That's what USRAC calls it. Yep. Non-prior. Which is confusing in was, our realms. I know right? there was like, a vernacular for it. I just yeah, well, it's confusing in our realms because you're like, are you at Monterey, California? Like, what What? <laughs> yeah. you know, what are you doing? Yeah, so, the Naval Postgraduate. Exactly. And so <laughs> love I, I learned that new version of the acronym last year. But it, it, the, the off-the-street recruiting side of the house loves working with us. Sometimes we, we can. Sometimes, you know, it doesn't mm-hmm. meet our best interests. Because why? Because we we look different. We've got guys with different mm-hmm. color hats that are yep. standing at those events. They're bringing M razors to those events. They're we're yep. handing out a little known fact: the regular army recruiter doesn't have as much you know swag to give out as we do. Mm-hmm. So there's little things that they love combining and working with us. That we'll do at some big events, Army Navy game, you name it, mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yep. We're co-located with them, and we're trying our best to say, hey, you know, if you get, this guy got interested by talking to our Green Beret, is there any way that you can kind of move him along the conveyor belt to be an 18 mm-hmm. x-ray candidate and sometimes we lose fidelity in that but it's a it's a big branding struggle but that's mm-hmm. awesome supporting the army recruiting effort sure. that's a yeah. prime example of vignette <clears throat> that you know special operations recruitment time is helping you know army recruiting holistically yeah. which is again important because yeah. fast forward who knows what that individual is going to do for yeah we're, we're planting seeds right yeah I mean, obviously that's the intent there yeah we're not going to process them you know all the way in we don't have the kind of the bandwidth to do that but uh, we're planting seeds and, and hoping they'll come back to our at some point. But it's a balancing act, too, though. We've got to kind of balance those commitments with, you know, kind of, kind of what pays the bills, which is going out there and getting, you know, in-service, active duty, enlisted, and officers to, to, to come try on our That's a, another value thing that we do is we do a lot of prep. And I remember last year when Colonel Crow was uh, in his first year of SORB Command and I was at, at Bravo Company, basically handling the middle of America AOR, right? So Riley, Bliss, uh, Hood, or Cavazos now in the Global 160th mission. Us as SORB Company commanders were always like, hey, sir, we got we to gotta hunt 
we got to hunt and find and fix. But we're, there's constant pressure all the time naturally to, to prep, right? Like what types of things can we do at our level to make hopefully those candidates for all the different tribes more successful at their day one of their job interview? And that comes down to PT prep programs. Almost every one of our stations has one of those. We also do a lot of KLE and like cognitive like key leader engagements? Yeah, yeah, especially for like CA and PSYOPs, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a distinct difference between, you know, a lieutenant in the Army versus an E3 who that lieutenant's brief in his chain of command all the time, mm-hmm. has yeah. good, like, you know, interpersonal like, skills. Theoretically. Theoretically. <laughs> Theoretically. As, they may be officers. lost every they, time. They have, they have more, uh, you know, opportunities <laughs> yeah. for those types like, to be put in that situation. But, yeah. Whereas, uh, you know. We're, we're putting those yeah. younger kids, yeah. though, yeah, through those right. experiences. And yeah. that they wouldn't have, so it's not like the first time they're having that. Yeah. 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 Along with team week events, simulations, stuff like that. Yeah, and so. our CA and SAP NCOs are leading that at the stations. And, and it's not keys to the castle or anything like mm-hmm. that. It, it's more just like yeah. so an awareness yeah. of, of what that scenario feels like for the same reason you know you do you train with a ruck on your back to get ready for selection. Absolutely. I mean, that's always a hard question for as Derek and I, we're both SAP and CA and mm-hmm. You meet someone and they're like, oh, you're in special forces? Like, no, I'm in special operations. And they're like, that's different how? And you're like, well. (laughs) And then you start going through the the descriptions. Yeah, that's pretty topical, actually. If It kind of rolls into when you're talking about some of the challenges we're Mm -hmm. facing. I mean, that's kind of a perfect segue. We generally find in special forces, generally the Army, you know, soldiers in the Army have have an idea, one that exists, and – Although sometimes misguided, they at least kind of have thoughts of what, you know, SF is. Mm -hmm. What we see from survey data that we do and also get from, you know, USREC in the Army, and then also just anecdotally talking to candidates is is a lack of awareness of the careers that civil affairs and PSYOPs offer. Um, And that's enlisted and officer on both sides. So that's a a challenge we're always kind of getting after is the informing piece. And, and we do that a variety of different ways, like newcomers briefs, being involved, you know, where we can, you know, with off-the-street recruiting to help them uh, just to, again, kind of illuminate that, that these career possibilities exist. And, and then, you know, from there, it's a matter of what does that career provide. One of the big things, and we were talking about awareness with civil affairs and PSYOPs. PSYOP, sorry. <laughs> I try not to be that guy. Yeah, so. Cut yeah. that one out for me. Yeah. <laughs> hey, uh, no. uh, <laughs> for our listeners, uh, our, you, the United States Army PSYOP does not have an S at the end. Though, yeah. to be fair, yeah. uh, the NATO version does have an S. So yeah. well, it makes it even more confusing. Yeah. Keep, keep you on your toes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, anyway, what I was going to say with that is, you know, we don't have Iraq and Afghanistan, you know, two large theaters where we have constant daily interaction between conventional force and soft. During those years, kind of recruiting was the plenty and we were rolling in. It was kind of at, at the mercy of, of selection. As you know, we kind of, you know, Iraq uh, kind of slowed down, transitioned, and, and then Afghanistan kind of shut off. We, that's, that's really the big challenge we're trying to overcome now is our best recruiters, our best advertisement we have in soft are our operational teams or you know, our operational mm-hmm. NCOs uh, and officers. So how do we increase that interaction with the conventional force. And, and really that's that's essentially what we're trying to do now, artificially kind of recreate that interaction in, in as much of it as we can, because that, that's where the real selling happens. Would you say that's your biggest challenge, sir, in the current recruiting environment is just losing that conventional 
special operations touch point that we had in the GWAT. I'd say it's up there, and then when you when you factor in kind of generational willingness to serve, physical fitness, mm-hmm. and and one thing the, uh, you may you may not be aware aware of the Army uh, did what they called the Future Soldier Prep Course this year. Really, what that entails is they brought about ten thousand soldiers off the street who didn't necessarily qualify physically or you know with mental aptitude for the initial standards. Went sent them down to Fort Jackson, put them through an academic course, a fi- you know a physical fitness course, or in some cases both. And then we're allowed to retest and then enter the Army. So, you know, considering the Army's bringing it, brought in about 51,000 soldiers last year, 10,000, 20% of that didn't, you know, kind of it's just something to consider when you're looking at the recruiting pool that mm-hmm. we're pulling from. And uh, like you said earlier, Derek, like our standards aren't the Army standards, right? They're, they're you know, mm-hmm. pretty significantly higher. So that, that is a factor that, that plays in. But uh, I'd say the interaction is, is equally, you know, up there as well. So... That's we spend a lot of time and effort. Like, like I said, I rattled off like the numbers of NCOs. Kind of we have out there, you know, hunting for us daily. But yeah, that's not a lot when you consider the the size and scope of what mm-hmm. we're trying to trying to influence. Yeah, so we so we we're trying to leverage the the force there in in, in that in that vein. I'm sure you've had some successes though too, sir. Like, uh, is, is there like a portfolio of greatest hits or just some really cool wins that you could like that come to mind? Yeah, I mean, are you talking specifically like mission or just more like kind of some tangible examples? Or? I, both? Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Yeah, so, um, yeah, if you had some. Yeah, so, yeah. like, we we have the financial ability at SORB to use our direct marketing funds. We call it VAMP. You know, check on learning. I don't know what VAMP stands for, but it's direct marketing funds. Yes. But You've gone full. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, well, this is XO life, right? Yes. So, <laughs> but, I mean, I was leveraging this last year, and, and Colonel Crow was on the right kind of LOE glide path of like, hey, we got we got to solve this problem of there are Green Berets and CAT teams and PSYOPs, TPTs, you name it, that are not interacting with, let alone our major hubs. I mean, if they're so lucky to be in an area where we have a first SFC CSU, sure, they're going to see it every day. I mean, mm-hmm. coming from fifth group, there's no 101st soldier that doesn't see, you know, the Legion as they're passing by. But we don't have that same interaction at some of our biggest marketing spots like mm-hmm. Fort Cavazos. Massive market there with zero integration, right? So we export that via our VAMP fund means. So what that looks like is an ODA will reach out to us hopefully through this, knowing about it now. <laughs> and we'll be like, hey, uh, you know, I'm kind of, I'm on a strict budget. You know, my sustainment funds only go so far. Sorb, I want to do something that looks like this, where I'm training with a, a partner force somewhere. We're able to, at Colonel Crow's level, approve that up to $10,000. That's cool. So for DTS, I call it non-lethal aid, right? So yeah. we're not going to pay for, we're yeah. not going to pay for your land and ammo usage. We're not going to pay for your trans. But we are going to pay your per diem. Mm-hmm. We are going to pay your, uh, you know, your expenses through DTS, right? The defense travel system. Yep. yep. Sorry. There's no, a lot no, of acronyms. No, no I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So thank you. But so we send that ODA out there. And while they're there, they're doing their own, you know, workup, train up, whatever they're doing with their, with their conventional force brethren. And then we're in the background. Our recruiters are there, you know, answering questions, doing mm-hmm. stuff. We're bringing a lot of those folks during their white space and downtime to come to the newcomers briefs, to come to stuff like that. So we're providing a little bit of money. So and $10,000 is just where it stops at Colonel Crow, right? Yeah. So if it's a larger concept, we just need more time to plan it and mm-hmm. ask for approval for more money. So yeah. this last year we did a few that were in the $30,000, $40,000 range, which week-long wow. week training exercises that, 
again, we're selfish, generated for us about 20 to 30 plus leads of kids going, holy cow, that's cool, I want to do that. Very cool. Yeah. No, yeah. but I mean, that, cool. that, that ODA, right, that operational detachment alpha gets to go out there and the ODA team, starting team leader say, hey, well, yep. I'll support recruiting, but hey, I need to train on these tasks. Yep. You know, I need a partner force. Yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. infantry so, battalion, could you be my, you know, partner force to do mm-hmm. patrolling, flat range operations, yeah. you know, whatever. All those tasks. They're achieving that, their yeah. mission. Yep. So it's a win-win for everybody. I mean, one, those conventional force soldiers might get some of the best training that they've ever had. Yeah. yeah I, I remember, and I don't remember the acronym, not a Green Beret, right? But they used to run those Abacus course that was like yep. the Cephalic Light mm-hmm. for the support soldiers. And they could get to go through that tactical level of training, acting as the ODA's partner force. So now, you know, that same type of period of instruction or something similar to what you're talking about. Yep. Hugely value-added, I think. I think commanders out there should, on the conventional force side, should you see a return on investment as well? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, and, and like you said there, we can also help link you up with a partner force if you don't already have that in mind. So, you know, because our recruiters are all, all over the place and on all these different force com uh, installations, we have a lot of relationships there with, with battalion CSMs and first sergeants and everything else. So we can help kind of make that happen. So if you have an idea of what that concept is, hey, we're we're at Liberty, we want to go to drum, we want to do this training, you know, and but we can link you up, hey, we have a scout platoon there, and, and go. So the VAMP money, which, and I don't know what VAMP stands for either, but it's <laughs> it's the it's the total Army involvement in recruiting yeah, program. The TARE program. TARE program, which is where the money kind of comes from. VAMP is just the accounting side of it, whatever that acronym means. So it, it comes with strings, right? It's not just, hey, go do some training, sword-funded training, right? So that interaction is what we're going for, right? That's that that's the ODA team house, you know, out in Afghanistan, you know, that interaction. Yeah, it's not for six months, but, you know, it can be pretty intense for seven to ten days, and, and, and we get quite, you know, pretty significant feed, you know, kind of return on investment for that. We're going to ask that, yes, if we're funding your, you know, your travel, that, you know, you're, you're interacting, telling your story, and breaking down those barriers, because a lot of times that's that's all it is. It, it's, I mean, you have a soldier in an infantry platoon, and then, you know, an NCO on a team, and, and they're talking, and they, you're like, oh, yeah, I wrestled in high school. No, no kidding. And you yeah. back for And then all of a sudden it's like, hey, this big scary thing, like, oh, going special forces is like, hey, this dude is me. He's just six years older than I am. Okay, I can probably yeah. do that. And you break down that barrier, you know, so and, and all, any sort of, like, ambiguity or myths or anything that's out there, kind of across the traps. We've done it with civil affairs as well, mm-hmm. uh, done some training exercises. It doesn't quite translate for PSYOP because the, the problem there is, what's in it for the for the trainee right yep. you know and the, and a regular army you know pick your mos there's they're like i don't really want to train on it's you know psychological operations yeah. Yeah. uh so so that's but we're we're definitely open to ideas because again we're trying to get after that awareness that's out there so maybe their partner is uh that new warrant officer mos and that's what you guys yeah. end up linking them up yeah. with. yeah for yeah doing some influence things or even so. with the non-prior service could you say hit up a corporate marketing marketing team that's totally oh, civilians yeah. and say hey we do this in the army yeah. how do you do it yeah probably get some levels and bubbles on some training but maybe develop some leads or some universities i'm or sure universities, not everyone who yeah. majors in marketing actually gets a job in it so. yeah. yeah all those things could happen obviously that tear money would have to come from a a, a <laughs> regular userec off the street recruiting mm-hmm. battalion so that's kind of where now and it's got to be important uh, yeah. to them so that's where like kind of the the the, the we, rub we is fell into the into the same we crossed the streams yeah, yeah the, the, streams. The, the, the fine print but you guys print, could yeah. enable that right we can I facilitate mean, oh, it 100 yeah. and and that and that's kind of that leads into you know something that i'd also like you know kind of mention we can be that glue right so 
what, you know, I'm kind of skipping ahead and, you know, whatever, like, you know, how can you help, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody realizes we're kind of in this kind of recruiting challenge time. How can you help? Anytime you go anywhere as a team or, or really an individual, you know, if you can build a recruiting day on the front end or the back end, I think there'd be support throughout the, kind of the, the USAC chain of command for, for that type of thing based on the conversations I've had. Add, add an extra day. You know, and if you're on an installation, hit, a, hit us up. We'll, we'll put you to work. We'll get you out there you know, talking to, to soldiers. If you're away from an installation, you can still hit us up. We'll get you linked up with the station commander of the USAREC off-the-street recruiting station where you are. And they can take you out to, you know, their, their highest performing high schools and, and, and that type of thing and, and get you out within, you know, to talk to candidates, future soldiers, and, and, and kind of spread that our soft awareness. That's awesome. So you talked about the total Army involvement recruiting program, but you guys brought something up. We did this concept development for this podcast. You talked about reverse, reverse oh, yeah. Yeah. process. And I'm yeah. like, well, I've never heard of that. Could you kind of, yeah. you know, uh, expound on that? So it's basically, yeah. it, you're using the same pot of money, right? But instead of us exporting our, our soft, you know, uh, personnel to show and tell, you know, at all the different locations we need them to, it's bringing the market to our footprints. Think of college re- recruiting visits, really. Yeah. So basically, uh, you know, handfuls of folks, we've done this successfully a few times now, we're bringing them to special forces groups and we're giving them basically Green Beret for a day. They're seeing a team room. They're seeing, they're getting to work out hopefully with an ODA or, or some folks there in our Thor facilities. They're getting to talk to a lot of folks, not just key leaders and higher ranking leaders within the, the you know, the, the group, but actually talk to folks and, you know, NCOs out there that have been like, hey, I've been stationed here and stable with my family for like the better part of a decade. And not only that, like that allows my wife to have, you know, the career career Mm -hmm. and job that she wants. And my kids have been in the same school and they haven't been ripped up and, you know, PCS as often as someone else in the conventional force. That is a huge, impactful message that we all know and love from our time and our yeah, side yeah. that we want to share, right? I mean, so, especially in PSYOP and CA land, our battalion commanders here. so far yep. are all here yeah. at Fort Liberty. Yeah. So it's it's been it's been very successful lately. So basically using that same pot of money to bring those folks and to show them you know, the awesomeness in which day-to-day life is. Yeah, so we're going for two things there. I mean, actually, the return on investment so far has been, I mean, 90 to 100% of the people who we have sent to a group are have gone to attend a selection, which is good, and that's great. But, you know, we can only do that in handfuls. But what we're really looking for is when they go back to their unit, to the platoon, to the company, and saying, yeah. you wouldn't believe what they have mm-hmm. at, at fifth group. You know, this this gym it looks like a college, you know, mm-hmm. lifting yeah. facility. And, oh, by the way, the strength conditioning coach who managed the plan for you, t- you know, he told me how he's going to sustain me and, you know, keep me healthy and, and, and performing, you know, throughout the duration of my career, that kind of thing. Uh, so, and, and, you know, I got to shoot, you know, I shot a thousand rounds on, uh, on a flat range. I haven't shot, you know, that many rounds in, you know, the last three years I've been here at, you know, Pick your infantry battalion, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah. we've had a lot of success with that. We're, we're really just trying to increase that. And, and, I mean, there's a reason that colleges, you know, NCAA Division One athletes do oh, yeah. recruiting visits, right? Military academies do it too. Yeah, because they work. Yeah, exactly. They do overnights at the academies. Same idea. You get to, you know, kind of see, see what life looks like behind the curtain. So I think the more opportunities that we can do that, I think the more success we'll see with that. I could see a lot of the way ahead doing that, what we call the reverse total army involvement in recruiting and being, say, fifth, third group, whatever, reach out. Hey, I want to partner with somebody out at, you know, Fort Cavazos because the recruiting there is the lowest. You guys kind of help steer where you kind of drive, where you need assistance, and then bring them in. Do yeah. Just do yep. – 
range operations and go to go to yeah. HPW, go to Thor and train for the day. Like yeah. that in itself, them soldiers seeing all those resources available to the Army Special Operations community, I think would be yeah. just, and that's easy to plan and manage, I think. That's that's an interesting thing you brought up, Derek. Uh, where's the most, the pool of the most recruits coming from, from yeah. your guys, your experiences? It really looks like where we have our, our Special Forces and, you know, SAPCA, CSU, basically. So it's, it's JBLM, Carson, Fort Campbell, and then here at Liberty. And that's uh, Joint Base Lewis-McChord. Yeah, thanks. Correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah th- those are our biggest markets across the board. Yeah, Prope- Propensity-wise. So, yeah. I mean, it goes without saying, like, we're asking folks at our job interview of selection to do a lot of light infantry-type tasks, right? So we get a high propensity and a, and a rather better select rate from your, your combat arms units, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but again, one of the things all of our recruiters pitch is that we don't care what branch you are. Yeah. Um, if you're the right person, you know, leave no regrets, go to the tryout. Absolutely. And so, My buddy Donnie was a cook. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And <laughs> He's a so, great dude. So, but statistically, we're seeing a lot more volume-wise and success-wise from our infantry. You know, it goes without saying, when we're hunting, you know, we go to best ranger competition, right? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's who we're yeah. looking for. Yeah. We're going to best yeah. medic competitions. Best snapper, uh, yeah, you name it. All that stuff, because uh, we're, we're, we're trying to hit those, you know, very mm-hmm. viable markets. Yeah, I do we, love how you both reference it as hunting. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Head, yeah. Like headhunting. Yeah. I mean, that's that's yeah. that's the that's the environment we're in. And I the mean, terminology. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's our, got that operational flavor from. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Some of our our NCOs will serve as as like EIB cadre with, oh, yeah. within within mm-hmm. like the brigades that, that are you know at the installations where they are. That same idea. Again, they're just. Hunting you for you time. asked. You guys asked earlier. I think it was Ash. You asked uh, kind of some like good news stories. So like about this time last year, there was a JRTC rotation. Mm-hmm. We embedded... Joint Readiness Training Center. Thank you. You're all, man. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a, combi- a combined training exercise uh, to get a to get a unit ready to deploy, right? And it was a 101st air assault element that was going down there. And they cordially invited a few of our recruiters to go with them. Ooh, very and this cool. is a 28-day training experience, right? Mm-hmm. So, of course, I was like, guys, can't, I can't <laughs> lose you for 28 days. But mm-hmm. go there for four of the most pivotal days and try to... You know, they're on their convoys, they're on their live fires, they're doing that stuff with them. And the whole time, the whisper campaign and the talking about their experiences is happening. Yeah, it's And the we got a lot of leads out of that. So that was that was a big one that, that happened, you know, just last year. And we, we continue to do little stuff like that. Yeah, and, and I'm sure there's like, I don't want us to frame this too much of like, yeah, special operations, yeah. we're coming in, we're poaching all your best guys. Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah. So we chat, it, yeah. It's not just that. It's also yeah. like, hey, hey, can we retain this individual in the military because they oh, yeah. they have a talent that probably yeah. is not if they're coming to us it's because they were probably going to get out uh, yeah. or something Very else much. was going to yeah. pull them in another direction and so we're kind of that way of maintaining and retaining different kinds well, of talent the the reality is too for every 10 that we you know quote unquote take we're returning nine of them, right? Yeah, so when, exactly. when when select rates, attrition, everything else goes, so it, it's good for the army either way. And then you, you know you're getting an opportunity to see yourself and and uh, hopefully mm-hmm. you know come back in kind of a yeah. better position. So we're not really actually taking time. That, I mean, this, these are like common conversations uh-huh. we have with leadership all the time. Battalion, yeah. Battalion yeah. CSMs, I've used yeah. that line a few times. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Yeah. Like, no, it's true. I think, yeah. you know, under General Beaupere here at the Special Warfare Center and School, he has guided our selection assessments to do a lifelong assessment, meaning mm-hmm. I'm an E4, I come to one of the three selection assessments and I get feedback that I'm going to get nowhere else in the Army. Yeah. And then that's an opportunity, a return on investment given back to those leaders in the conventional force. And that individual soldier would be like, well, 
I'm not as good as I thought I was in this specific area, or maybe mm-hmm. I was better than I was in this area, but that return on feedback is something yeah. that we're providing back to the force mm-hmm. that they're probably not going to find that anywhere else in the Army. Yeah, our evaluation system, as good as it is, does not really give that level of fidelity. And so you can go your whole career and not be confronted with some of those yeah, bits you of information. Individuals in yeah. team week, yeah. and yeah. it's hard, you know, and you're going to see a side of yourself that you probably didn't know you had. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And I think that's important return on investment out to those senior leaders yeah. in the Army. Well, yeah, and then I think that and the experience that they have, you know, so when the stud in the platoon goes to selection, comes back selected, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's you know, the trickle effect. I mean, they, we get five or six kids from that platoon that are now going to selection. Yeah, but unfortunately, the reverse happens as well. They go out to selection. They don't have oh, the experience yeah. that they expect. And then it, like, kind of poisons that well for, you know, a, a point of time. Because the stud just went and yeah, did yeah. well, it. Yeah, it. I have no chance. Yeah, yeah. well, and that's why, that's why the interaction is so important. Mm-hmm. So, like, if that's all you see is a stud from the platoon go to selection and, and whatever his experience or her experience is and comes back, that shapes your opinion. That's where that interaction and breaking down those the barriers and, and like, sitting down and talking and realizing, like, mm-hmm. again, th- these are the – this is me, just five, six years older than, than me. I could do this. We had that happening on a daily basis in large-scale theaters. We don't now, so we've got to find a way to make that happen. And another thing that, going back kind of to tear, but the, the interaction that we lost is kids are getting to see in these tear events how empowering our youngest yeah, NCOs are. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so they're getting to see not only in a range environment but in a garrison environment of – holy cow, that E6 is in charge of so much. Mm -hmm. And they look back at their conventional formation and go, that's not not the same. I just witnessed it the other day. We we had a team from 7th Group up at, uh, I think it's called Fort Walker now, whatever AP Hill is, and training with uh, some old guard up, like a company plus of old guard soldiers. E6 leading the range training, and you could just tell these soldiers like, wow, like I mean, super. And, and it's it's exactly what you would have expected. Professional NCO kind of you know running the show, just just like you any you yeah. know you expect a, a, of a good junior Bravo mm-hmm. out at the range, and you could tell like they were like, wow, this is you know my squad leader. Yeah, he, I mean he gets you know a little bit of time with a platoon sergeant, and that's about it. And this guy's like you know, commanding it, it opens the entire operation. Sure. That's a good point. Yeah. That's a good point. So we talked a lot about the terror program mm-hmm. and other initiatives. You know, what else can our soft regiment do to support recruiting, support your efforts, sir, that is pinnacle to all the branches day in and day out? Is there something you look, could want, ask more support for from, from our soft? Yes, I think we need to leverage the size of our, you know, our regiments uh, in, in our favor. I think that's one of the strengths that we do have. So kind of like what I mentioned uh, earlier, th- always think about recruiting. So if, you, if you're out traveling, we, go, we do a lot of TDY, whether we're training or, or, or school or whatever we do. Always try to build in, uh, you know, some sort of recruiting on on either end of it. Uh, we can absolutely be the connective tissue to get you to the right place, whether that's you know non-prior service off the street or if it's if it's in service, we'll, we'll definitely put you to work. Just as you said, sir, it's like every we're all ambassadors, right? So mm-hmm. for the longest time, we've been doing it very. Uh, I'm not asking to formalize it really, but we've always been. People go back to their alma maters all the time to go yeah. talk to, you know, cadet, you know, populations there. We just really need to do that within our own force. And doing so, like the simplest of things, just tell people about Go Army Soft. Like that's an easy one. Yeah. So like that's our that's our social media following, right, on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. So a lot of times we'll run into candidates that are maybe they don't have the availability or they don't have the, uh, you know, platoon sergeant's not going to let them out for lunch sort of thing to come talk to us. Well, they can go through the virtual means of, you know, using a QR code and or all that stuff to get 
digitally linked up with us and start their journey. Unlike off the streets recruiting, we're a very long burn type of recruitment. So by all means, if a kid comes into one of our stations and goes, hey, I'm ready to go to selection tomorrow, we usually have questions. We're yeah. Like, hey, we're like, hey, man, are you like, what, like, what's yeah. going on? Are you trying to get out of like this thing coming up or a UCMJ event? Yeah, yeah. Like, like, uniform code of are military the MPs justice. like knocking on your door right now? Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, we're trying to make sure that person is is well. We're not trying to select. We're trying to make sure that they're ready to go. They're prepared as much as. And they so can. <laughs> usually that takes on on average about sixty to ninety days from point of meet. Which the regular army is like, all right, man, let's ship you. We got to get you to MEPS right now. We got to oh, yeah. get you to basic training as soon as possible. We we're we're not selection by any means, but we want to make sure that that person at least knows what they're doing before mm-hmm. they go. Push people as much as you can to our brick and mortar places. That's what I would ask the force, and and also to just follow us on social media to learn more. There's some cool stuff on there. Very cool. Very cool. We've kind of talked about the the long burn. We've talked about. Your relationship with USAREC and USASOC and everything else. What about if I am in Korea or if I am at one of these other outstations? Can I just walk in and have those conversations? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, yeah, you can. And if not, so like Jim mentioned, Go Army Soft. Go Army Soft has the ability to collect leads, so you can you can put your information in there, and it'll go you know right through a process to one of our recruiters, and we'll call you up. And, and so that works. We we see that in places where you know it's not as uh, permissive for Army soldiers to come talk to a soft recruiter, you know, with kind of unit dynamics yeah. and things like that. Besides that, I did have a couple questions about. So you're only doing active duty in service. What happens if I'm someone in like the National Guard or reserves or whatever? Can I still go and give you my information? And- yeah. So the National Guard have their own recruiters essentially. So we can uh, like if you if that were to happen, we can mm-hmm. get you if, you know to the National Guard liaison here actually within SWIC and get you to the right place. We can help facilitate that for sure. It's interesting you bring that up though because we we have such a dynamic portfolio. We also do inter-service transfers. Yeah. So oh, wow. The, yes. So I yeah, I'm feeling So like if I'm in the Marine Corps yeah. Correct, yeah. or the yeah. Space Force. Yeah, it's not a it's, it's hard to touch yeah. Space Force right now. <laughs> We're not there. are having recruiting issues too. They're kind yeah. of a growing branch yes. maybe. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, they yeah, they won't t- but uh, yeah. to your point, so Marines very high success rate. They do quite well. Yeah. We both officers and enlisted. There's some timeline management that has to happen with that. They have to be released, of course. Mm-hmm. But uh, basic training or, you know, initial entry training for the Marine Corps and Army is, is kind of not, I wouldn't say similar. That would be, you know, causing some issues there. But it is, it is so seen. That there's it's, an equivalent. It's an equivalent. You don't Thank have to you, redo sir. it, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. so if you're in the Air Force or the Navy, we're going to push you through the ringer to go yeah, all the way to through. to do all the things. Yeah. Correct. And so, but we get a lot of IST. Yeah, um, it's about 100 a year uh, that we'll send to selection. Uh, obviously, Jim said uh, the Marines are the most successful just kind of the type uh, and the, what they're, the talent they're looking for within the Marine Corps kind of translates well yeah. uh, for, for the RSOF selections. The Marine Corps is going to love that, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll plug for the Marine Corps. Yeah, but, uh, for the plug. <laughs> it, ha- but, it has to be a very, like, good tight window of them getting out versus, you know, going to selection. Yeah, they have to actually out. ETS from Correct. that branch so, before and I'm sure they can come on. It takes a long time to get those Marine Corps tattoos removed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is part of the calculus, well, yeah. I, I mean, they've got a small pyramid, too. So, yeah. I mean, it, there's only so many places for them to go. So if you're looking to continue to serve it, it, it's an it's an opportunity yeah. and so we we invest some time in, in north carolina and then out in california kind of the two big hubs but it a lot of that we do kind of through proxy we we actually kind of leverage the off the street recruiters there they kind of engage them same they're doing the, looking the same idea hey the marines don't have a spot for you hey how about the army 
and then we can kind of like double dip. They get credit for bringing them into the army, and then we're we're bringing them over to to our soft. So we kind of use the off the street recruiters as our proxies, kind of at Camp Pendleton and, and Camp Lejeune. Very cool. What do you think the future for you gentlemen is for SOAR really through digital platforms and social media, right? Social media is just, it's blown up, right? So yeah. obviously you're recruiting yeah. in that space. What does that look like for? You, you kind of mentioned Go Army Soft. Like, can you expound a little? Yeah, yeah that's that's our day-to-day one. So we okay. have a dedicated team of individuals that are constantly posting cool pictures of guys and gals in the RSoft community doing awesome stuff, right? So that's that's one. It's also our avenue for virtual leads as well for people to do that. But when it comes down to it, we're really starting to dive into the space of, um, of influencers. Yeah. So, hey, how can we leverage folks that really talk to our market, both in-service and out-service? Out in-service predominantly, of course, for us. And just to kind of segue into that and sort of whatever comments you have on it, but so many times we sit in meetings and high-level individuals will say, hey, I'm not seeing the ads. And we're like, hey, <laughs> hey, sir, Sergeant Major, you're, Good. you're not you're not supposed to see those ads. <laughs> Good. Like, we're trying to get that to the demographic of the age range for our new generation, mm-hmm. right? So th- that was one of the funny things that's happened, you know, multiple yeah. times now. But um, we're really working to to upgrade a lot of our stuff, make it more prevalent, and and have folks see it as often as possible. Yeah, and so we're also kind of looking through. We've um, through through Swick actually been connected with uh, uh, some some influencers that kind of hit our demographic. It's not necessarily all in-service demographic, but for the 18x ray, 37 fox, and off the street uh, demographic as well, and then really get them to kind of post. And then like Swick brings them in for the tactical challenge and some mm-hmm. other things like that. So we, we we arm them with a bunch of you know our soft swag, so they can then you know wear that with the content that they're creating out there at Range 37 or you know kind of elsewhere. Uh, and then again that they're they're sharing and they're liking and 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 kind of spreading to with to their followership kind of the rsoft message so that's kind of one way we're looking at doing it we're doing some other like localized type things look for some rsoft commercials on the afes gas stations and again we're we're just getting after that like standard advertising marketing which i think it's up to like 11 hits now right you have to see something 11 times before you'll act on it like mm-hmm. and that's kind of like the benchmark you know, in the marketing advertising world, they're looking to hit you with a commercial or or a theme or, or something to, to get you then act on that that impulse. You actually probably know better being a, a you know, cyber. Oh, yeah. if that's it's always difficult. It's always yeah, difficult. Your I don't know. If, I don't know if the lot. Yeah, the eleven's accurate. But that's that's what I've heard recently. So yeah, I wouldn't be surprised for sure, especially yeah. because yeah, it's the way advertising's going these days. And yeah, the, yeah. The answer is absolutely targeted. Yeah, like the yeah, more it can was, be targeted. That's uh, Colonel Crow just brought it up, but like, yeah, you're pumping your gas, and instead of getting bothered with whatever the, the news shell or station the has, weather, it's going to be AFIS, but we're going to have our soft advertisement. But for us, that's I mean, it's, yeah. it's in service, it's on post. I think we all you know get gas on post. It's cheaper sometimes yeah. for the most part. So yeah, so really at least clever. at least boom, you'll you'll see you'll see the USOC logo, mm-hmm. and and there'll be you know a little spiel in there. We're also uh, doing a partnership with with Waze. So where you, our advertisement will pop up when you're using Waze, and then also our installations and our and our recruiting sites will be on the Waze as well. So if you're using Waze Ooh. in and around post, you know that icon will pop Conveniently up. Conveniently during PCS season when you're trying to find stuff. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, that's awesome though yeah. because you know I didn't know what Psyop was. I dropped a a soft packet mm-hmm. because I just wasn't fitting. Like I was doing well, I was doing all right. I was, you know, yeah. everything was good, but it just I couldn't see myself doing. 20 years of what I was doing before and so dropped the packet and I like to say like PSYOP found me and it was a perfect fit it would be awesome if there was more of that out there and I think you 
you yeah. guys are both going in the right direction. It yeah. would have been awesome for me to find PSYOP and for, instead of it to be an accident. So we're, we're also look, looking for some other kind of creative ways to do it. We, we do a lot of partnerships with MWRs as well. And we'll do a functional fitness challenge at, you know, mm-hmm. at an installation. And it, it'll read MWR all over it, not necessarily RSOF, right? You'd think it's a little counterintuitive. But, you know, th- a lot of times if, if soldiers see it as, hey, this is just a, a – a recruiting event, then yeah, yeah, maybe that's not for me. So if it's an MWR fitness competition, there's cash prizes or whatever MWR is able to kind of leverage out of it. And then, by the way, our recruiters are kind of behind the scenes setting the whole thing up with MWR, and then we're there at the event participating. Hey, you know, spotting, assessing, all, mm-hmm. all that going on. We, we do a lot of variety of events like that. We're at a, a Baton Death March, things like that. But we're also trying a, a new concept we've done a few iterations of now. We're trying to bring in a subject matter expert. We have an instructor who does kind of like bridges that gap between shooting and combative. So like in that, that kind of area in a, in a fight where it goes from – yeah, you know, from the gun to the to the floor, and that's what this guy specializes in, right? So easy sell for a, an infantry battalion, calf squadron, whatever. Oh, yeah. Hey, we're gonna pay for this instructor to come in. For us, it's relatively low cost. You know, pay for DTS, pay for travel. We're working a long term contract for that to have this kind of where we can do it on on repeat or all over the place, but relatively low investment to get a captive audience of, of an infantry battalion. And then, oh, by the way, our, our recruiters are kind of like the guest, you know, help instructors there to, you know, kind of plant the seeds and, and facilitate. So, again, just looking for creative ways to, to, to get to the market because not everybody's receptive to that overt kind of, kind of recruiting pitch. So. Well, yeah, and it, it always comes off as, like, a Push. form of propaganda or whatever. Sure. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, well, it's easier to tune out, whereas if uh, I'm actually providing you – yeah, a little bit of insight into like what this experience of coming into Absolutely. special operations actually is. Yeah, where, yeah, it's way more appealing because you're just telling the truth. You yeah. have to figure out how to get them to listen to the truth. It's that interaction again. That organic interaction. It's just a medium to to, to do it. Uh, it also gets us past the battalion CSM kind of obstacle <laughs> that we have because yeah. well, hey, we're we're hitting their mets now. You know, you're, yeah, you know, your individual soldier and then even collective uh-huh. soldier skill mets that you're knocking out courtesy of us, but, uh, you know, okay, it comes with strings, but, um, <laughs> but, but hey, I mean, we're upfront about it. Like, hey, but again, and that's when we say like, yes, you know, we, we may take air quotes, you know, 10 of your, 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 your top soldiers, but nine of them are going to return the formation. So one, and then, you know, if that, if this person is going to stay in the army and, and, you know, have a career and you know, do, do better things for the army and, and our country, then, you know, who are we to stand in their way? And yeah. usually that that kind of that kind of works. I mean, you get a few kind of curmudgeons out there, but yeah, it's hard. It's hard. Everybody thinks you're poaching poaching their talent, right? So it's, oh, yeah. it's yeah. hard. They have to. Everybody's look hurting for people right now. Yeah, so yeah. and you have to look so. beyond your formation. It, I get it. I mean, if I we yeah. were all in those in those positions, you know, we're like, oh man, this is tough. But in the larger scheme, grand scheme of things, like Ash said, if that's one of those soldiers I'm potentially losing for ETS. You know, maybe they, they see a career state in the Army in special operations, and I'd rather retain mm-hmm. that soldier than to lose them altogether from the force. Mm-hmm. There's another great innovation. We talked prior to this, or what you guys are partnering with the NCO Academy here at SWIC. Yeah. Kind of yeah. talk about that program. Yeah, That's sure. really interesting, I think. Yeah, so we talked to CSM Flick, and uh, basically in the gaps in his schedule, he's able to send some BLC instructors out to be guest instructors. And uh, we kind of did some targeted areas where, you know, we just don't like kind of what Jim was getting at. We don't have a CSU there, right? So Fort Stewart, Hawaii, Germany, some of these places where our footprint's not as big. Uh, so he's going to send out a couple of instructors. Our, our first iteration, they're down in uh, BLC class 
324, 124, whatever it is, <laughs> down at, I think it's 324, down at Fort Stewart. I mean, they have a captive audience of 150 to 160 junior NCOs. They're trying to better themselves, move on to leadership positions, and they're there to you know, spot and assess talent. Again, it, do that organic interaction of like, hey, this is my experience. This is what it's like you know, going to soft. They're going to give them you know, kind of briefings on our soft, kind of in the myriad of potential options that are out there within our community. And then you know, as they're spotting and assessing talent, they're going to give them PT tests and then kind of hand them over you know, and, you know, directly. Our guys are all in communication with our team that's at Stewart now. And it'll just be hand them right to us, and then you know get them into the into the funnel and into the process uh, of getting them out to ANS. So, again, it, it's just it's just a way to increase that interaction. And you so, probably said it, but that's being funded through this total R&D for for tear. Yeah, yeah. So we're, we're yeah we're paying to, to, to send them down so there. So now you know you're sponsoring SWIC NCOs. Yep. Uh, and those yep. who don't know, CSM Flick is the commandant of the NCO Academy here at the Enterprise. But that partnership, you know, two soft senior leaders. Thinking of an innovative concept to do recruiting. And I think, you know, on the conventional force side, they get to see what soft conventional force integration looks like mm-hmm. at that yeah. tactical level. I mean, a young, you know, E5 and, and uh, E4, I'm sorry, in this case, and I'm in that PME, I start learning professional about military education. professional military education. <laughs> Thanks, Ash. Uh, you get to see that exposure beyond yeah. just what your job might be and how some of those other yeah. uh, partners will operate in that space or how you complement each other's missions. So I think, you know, there's a trade-off there. So I'm just, you know, coming in to recruit, but I think the exposure yeah. there, and it's good yeah. for our soft NCOs as well. Yeah. You know, oh, getting yeah, exposure to that. They're in front of a partner know. force, basically. Yeah. Trying try yeah. to cultivate, you know, an influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think, and not only, you know, the, the, the students, but then now all those other BLC instructor, you know, mm-hmm. mid to junior, you know, mid to senior NCOs that are in there. You know, they're going to get an opportunity to, to influence that group as well. So yeah. I think it's good all around that, that we're able to utilize our you know, resources that way. So we're looking for more opportunities kind of across the, the RSOFT community to, to collaborate. And we could, I think we could be pretty creative with the Terra program. I mean, essentially, we're, we're sending RSOFT NCOs out. Now, we, we talked about the ODAs and, and a few CAT teams and things we've done. We also send individuals out as well. And, and that's really kind of where we get after a lot of CA and PSYOP. So... We try to hit every one of our installations every quarter. So every quarter you're getting a PSYOP or or a CA, NCO, and officer team to come out. And then we'll kind of we'll set up the uh, the front side of the event, the, the venue, and, and get everybody there, email, distros, like everything we, we can to kind of market it. And then get those those SMEs out there talking to to the soldiers mm-hmm. that, that are on that, that installation. So we're doing those as well. And that, again, that's the same program. So it gives us a lot of flexibility of ways to, to increase that interaction, that soft CF interaction we're getting after. We've been working in concert as well with, with USASOC. So basically their lessons learned program. So we just had them out at Joint Base Lewis-McChord. And, Carson. Uh, yeah, in Carson two weeks before Christmas. And basically they're hosting at those groups – secret no form and below briefings right so it's kind of a shroud of mystery of like hey what so again clearance exactly so i was going to get into that so like it's very much for our active duty officer population absolutely and hopefully any other ncos in in our market Mm -hmm. that may have a secret clearance right so you get the secret email you get the this you get the invite whatever it is and so you come to those locations receive a brief about what's going on in those areas yeah. of the world yeah. and mm-hmm. what we're doing cool. in special operations. And hopefully it just continues to yeah. perpetuate. It's awesome exposure for yeah. those, those officers and NCOs out there that have the requisite clearance to see no kidding operationally. Because yeah. I, before I came in soft, I was 11 Bravo. And mm-hmm. Yeah, You're just really compartmentalized for what 
it opens the it soft up, enterprise yeah. is yeah. doing in these AORs. Yeah, these areas responsible. I was at Fort Campbell with Fifth Group, right in the middle of it, when I was in the 101st, and I knew it was there, and I knew oh, those CSF guys, but I didn't have any idea what they were doing. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? In, in, until I interacted with an ODA downrange, you know, so which you know. It helps shape, you know, kind of my experience. But we're also trying to take these, you know, we're really working heavily with USOC Lessons Learned, uh, Mr. Charlie Moore. Uh, it's like his brainchild. We're, we're kind of helping facilitate and kind of get it out to uh, a few different locations where we need it. But um, we want to take it in a couple different directions. We want to develop a, it'll be unclassified, but, you know, kind of an operationally focused for enlisted soldiers. So the same idea. It's like, hey, come see what operational elements, you know, across the tribes are doing. So that's one. That'd be kind of, you know, across the tribes. But then on the officer side, again, and the secret no foreign, and you know, maybe we can list you, Ash, for a PSYOP because that's, uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's an area we really, really need. And I think there's so many nice, you know, not nice, but like some awesome operational vignettes out there. And we'll get into them, on, you know, in this medium. But I know you know of some of those where we can, even at the secret no foreign level, be like, hey, look, hey, look, this is what our PSYOPs, you know, NCOs and officers out there across the force are doing, you, you, you know. You want to create behavioral change. You want to influence people. Check out this. Look what we've done here or there. Oh, yeah. And because and, and getting after that awareness piece, I mean, the fact that we have soldiers and, and junior officers in the force that don't even know that PSYOP exists. Mm-hmm. So you know, now it's exposing them to, okay, one that exists, and oh, by the way, look at some of like the really awesome stuff that's been done in the, in the recent you know yeah, uh, operational past. So, oh, yeah. Once the mics are off, I'll tell you some weird yeah. stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've heard of some pretty good ones already, but, yeah, that I think if we can if we can kind of show that and, and get that in front of some of the junior officer population, because we're, we're hurting for, for PSYOP officers, as you probably well know. Across the officer tribes, that's, that's the one we're kind of hurting the most on. So we're looking for some you know, specifically tailored things to, to help improve that, that recruiting operation. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, gentlemen, for coming on this episode of the Pineland Underground. Derek, do you have anything else you want to close with? Colonel Crow, sir, uh, Major Makey, thank you for coming on today. I think uh, I know I learned a lot. Yeah. You know, and I'm, I'm a proponent, Sergeant Major, so I, I deal with you guys a lot. But there's still yeah. things I learned today that I've never heard before oh, as far as, like, the warning, the warrant officer portfolio and all those other things. So, uh, you know, I hope senior leaders across the enterprise listen to this. I think it's value added. Hopefully the listeners get something out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, hey, Ash, Derek, appreciate uh, you guys having us on and giving an opportunity to kind of hopefully uh, illuminate kind of like what the SORP's doing uh, out there and then put in one last plug for, for help. So we did talk about tear. We didn't talk. We spent about a little over six hundred thousand uh, dollars last year doing tear, and that's some teams going out and doing stuff. That's some individuals going out and talking about you know what they do on the day to day with soldiers. So um, we, we've got resources to leverage. So um, you know, yeah, cu- hit us up and and put, we'll put you to work to uh, help find the next generation of, of our soft talent. Uh, we'll put the notes in there to help reach out to the SORB if you don't know how to reach out to them. If you're mm-hmm. you know an ODA team starting out there somewhere and yeah. you want to reach yeah. out directly to the Special Operations Recruiting Talent, we'll put those POCs in the, in the notes. Yep, the we'll podcast. make sure to do it for both if you're already in SOF and you want to reach out to them and on, oh, also if you're mm-hmm. uh, a potential recruit. Absolutely. Um, we'll yeah, we have a lot of repeat tear offenders coming up this year. <laughs> yeah. that it, they loved it last year, so they want it again. Well, they understand the system. Yeah. So, cool. Excellent. Awesome. Cool. All right. Thanks. Thank guys. you.